Hey, Mum, come and have a look at this. I've got something to show you. Oh, God, what do you want now, Arthur? Go on, read it out. Mummy's Boy with Arthur Hill, a brand new podcast starring Arthur Hill and his mother, Lisa. What the bloody hell is this? I've signed us up to do a podcast. See, this is the contract. Oh, Arthur. It's Mummy's Boy. Mummy's Boy is my new podcast where I head back home each week to catch up with my mum and help bring her into the 21st century. Listen to Mummy's Boy every Wednesday wherever you get your podcasts. This is a crowd podcast. Joe, I'm kind of liking the show that we do. It stimulates my brain, hope it's tickling you too. Up to this point, the reviews are okay. We're rising to the top like a well-made souffle. It's the Joe Marler Show. Whoa, whoa, it's the Joe Marler Show. Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Joe Marler and this is Tom Fordyce. Are you are you in the van again or are you back in the house? No, I have been allowed back into the house, um, albeit into my son's bedroom, which is a shithole, actually. He needs to tidy it up. He's got his Bakugan sprayed everywhere. He's got his rugby kit, football kit, football boots. Why are they out on the floor? <sighs> Sorry, I'm just going off on one here. But at least it's warmer than the van and the electricity stays on. Well, where are you? Why have you got a bed sheet behind your head? I'm in the top bedroom, Joe. And because it is under the eaves of the house and it's got, well, it's basically an attic conversion, it's all angles. And when we tried recording before, um, you got a lot of bounce back. I believe that's a technical engineering term. So I was told to drape a duvet over the wardrobe you can see behind me, which would help muffle it. I love the word muffle. (laughs) Don't know why. Snuffled and muffled. I love snuffled and muffled. Oof. Do you know what else people love, Joe? People really like the cheese episode. Here's a message from Robbo. Robbo says, Boys, can Ned the Cheese Man be on all podcasts going forward? Bloke is hilarious. He is right. I, I love Ned. And maybe we could have a cheese section each week, but I don't think it would... Oh, my God, the electricity... Did you just see the electricity flicker? No. What? Oh, God, maybe the electricity isn't going to go. We've also got a shout-out, Joe. So Charlie Elton has listened to every single episode we've done so far, and he's got a favour to ask. He and hundreds of other lads in South Wales have been running 100 kilometres in January. That is nuts. That's a long way. Um, Charlie plays for... Yeah, I'll do this bit for you, Tom. So Charlie plays for Ribena Rugby Club, (laughs) which is where they invented the blackcurrant drink. So it's quite a famous rugby club. You you might want to do that bit again, because I don't think that's actually true, but you go for it. There will be people in... uh, what was it, Steve Rubina? <laughs> yeah, I mean, Joe, there will be people in the uh, Welsh town of Rubina who um, don't like it referred to in the way that you have, but I don't think many of them. Um, anyway, listen, Charlie's team manager, Di Hobbs, was diagnosed with cancer over Christmas. Di is a massive local legend, so that's why they come up with this idea of 100 kilometres for Hobbsy. Um, what we're going to do is put a link in the episode description if you want to donate. And from us, Charlie... Hats off, well done, plus everyone else is doing it because, if nothing else, the weather has been pretty shit. 100 kilometres is a long way. Joe, could you do 100 kilometres? No, there is no way I could do anywhere near 100 kilometres and I think it's a brilliant cause and all the best to die. Go well, mate. Yeah, Joe, just a quick clarification. Um, I've just looked to see where Rubina is. It turns out that it's a suburb of Cardiff, uh, which I feel I should know because I lived in Cardiff for a bit, but I've clearly never been to Rubina. So, yeah, it's sort of a small town, but it's a small town that has been 
absorbed into the greater body of the city of Cardiff. He is hoping that the people of Ribena hate you more than they hate me for pronouncing their town slash suburb wrong. <laughs> right, today's guest is a listener and we love getting listeners on. However, if you've emailed to say you'd like to be a guest, firstly, I'd like to thank you personally and also on behalf of the show. So I'm thanking you twice. Thank you, thank you. Secondly, Steve is really, really bad at responding to emails. Um, so he's working on that after the several rockets I've given him. Um, and we have had a lot to respond to, believe it or not. So please bear with us. Quite a lot of admin for us today, Joe. Should we get our guest on? Lots of admin, yes, Tom. But we didn't do bugger all of it last episode because we were too busy stuffing our faces with cheese and talking absolute bollocks. Um, but yes, let's get our guest on now immediately with haste without haste with no waste just get him on <laughs> our guest today is blind and his name is bj edwards bj welcome thank you very much joe and tom um can i just start off <laughs> <laughs> i just need to because i've managed to uh i managed to do it bj's your real name is it no no oh. <laughs> So you you choose you choose to call yourself BJ. <laughs> oh fuck! So uh, there's a story to this. Please make it really good. <laughs> My name is Barry James. Okay, with an I and an E. Oh, okay, yep. And from a young age, a teacher called Mrs. Adams chose to call me BJ, mm. and I thought that's cool. You know, I was young. I was very young, very innocent. Mm. You know, very innocent. And then I got to boarding school. Oh. And then it became blowjob, bum juice, big jerk, <laughs> bouncing Johnny. Ah, what do you mean, bum juice? Who said bum juice? I didn't think bum juice at all, but that's really good. It's a cracker, isn't it? And I just thought I can either change my name and surrender, or I could be brave and soldier on. So I soldiered on. Embraced it. I embraced it. I've got a lot of time for that. I've got a lot of time for you actually going, no, fuck it, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to take all the bum juices and all of the blowjob jokes and actually I'll make them first. And in fact, I'll make them better. I'm glad we've established that. So your name is BJ Edwards and you're blind. Fuck me, mate. You're blind. Talk me through that. Well, I was probably born visually impaired, mm -hmm. although it wasn't really found out until I got a ball in my eye, a little rubber ball. Do you remember back in the day, you can buy these tiny little rubber balls. They bounce really hard and they're high. So I got one of those in the eye and I went to the hospital and lost the sight in one eye. Then they discovered I had glaucoma. This is when I was about eight. But for years and years, I had pretty good eyesight. So I went to boarding school, had enough eyesight to do normal, fairly, relatively normal things, even played rugby. And in 2012-ish, it started to really go downhill. And in 2014, it disappeared completely so now i can't see anything at all wow i'm still kind of learning how to be really good at being blind i'm getting there it's amazing joe this right what bj as it's starting to go do you know it's going to go totally yeah what are the doctors saying or are you sort of thinking well maybe it's going to come back maybe it'll stabilize well i had an operation to help it stabilize and i remember a few days after the operation standing outside looking up at the sky and i thought fuck can't even see the sun. And that was quite a profound moment when I realised I couldn't even see the sun. 
you know, because that's quite bright, isn't it? You know, <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, I'd say it's quite a bright uh, object. Their level, so B four is a decent partial eyesight down to B1, which is nothing. So throughout my life, I was a B3 and B2, which actually on paper isn't much. It's about 5-10% eyesight. But if you imagine eyesight being a flannel, I used to wring every ounce of juice out of that flannel. So I just made the most of it, and then it disappeared. Like the way you've just spoken to us there about how you, you were partially sighted, and you squeezed every last ounce out of trying to see as much as you can as a, what was it, B2, B3? Yeah, yeah. Just gives me that sense that you've got this natural determined attitude to just fight whatever's thrown at you. And I've spoken to you for five, six minutes now, and immediately I think I like you. And I know that doesn't really mean a lot to you. It does. But I really love the sort of determination and the sort of, zest for fuck it i don't care what's thrown at me i'm just going to crack on with it there's a few profound moments first of all not i I just said at the beginning but it was a serious kind of moment when i couldn't see the sun anymore and the moon those are your profound moments you you step back and you think gosh i actually can't see anything at all now that is quite profound it does kind of attach itself to your soul for a while but the other moments for me when i realized i couldn't play rugby anymore because that was what made me cry more than anything. I can, I'm trying to put myself in your position here, BJ, as you tell us these stories. I could imagine myself in those last weeks and months and days, almost desperately filling my boots with sights, if that makes sense. Just trying to, trying to log loads of stuff in my brain of this is what this looks like. This is what this looks like. Well, when I did the Christmas before, I really enjoyed the Christmas tree lights and the colours, because I knew that probably next Christmas I wouldn't be able to see that anymore. So when next Christmas came and I couldn't see the pretty lights, I couldn't see the trees and all the rest of it, I knew that I had that memory in the in the logged in the memory bank. If you imagine a, a mosaic floor and it's made out of these beautiful tiles and every memory is a, is a little tile that you put down. And even now, I've only been totally blind for a few years, but I've forgotten things already. And when you kind of do a check and you think to yourself, what did this look like? What did that look like? And when you think, gosh, I can't quite remember that, that's when you think, oh dear, that's that's interesting. What's what's that doing for your mental health, mate? Like, I'm just trying to get into the mindset of, you know, how, how, how do you stop yourself giving up? To be blunt, my mental health was pretty fucked. Yeah. For a while, because when I lost my eyesight, my wife and I separated at the same time. Yeah. So I found myself living back with my dad for a while until I found somewhere else to live. The, the irony is the medication I took for my eyesight was really affecting my mental health as well. So I had two things going on, I had the eyesight making me feel bad and the medication making me feel bad. So my mental health did take a real dip, a real dip. So I, I really try to still talk to people on the phone, talk to mates. Luckily now, my, my low times are much less frequent than they used to be. But exercise and communication, just talking to people and finding that level of emotional honesty where you can just say, mate, I'm feeling a bit crappy today. Let's just talk about Netflix, you know, anything. You're a fucking hero. You're a fucking legend. I ab- 
absolutely eight minutes ago i really liked you and now <laughs> i fucking love you i think you're oh, absolutely cheers, brilliant and thank you i really really appreciate you you sharing that that part of you um because i guess it can be quite lonely at times yeah i mean sighted people understand to some degree and they understand as much as they can you know luckily i hooked into some friends of mine who were blind which is a blessing and a curse because people who are blind since birth they're very blasé you know like fucking so what <laughs> you know because <laughs> it's a big deal yeah. yeah they'll never be able to see oh what you can't see anymore fucking i'll top that i haven't seen ever is exactly. that the <laughs> yeah 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 but people i'd known who have lost their eyesight yeah people i went to school with who could see more than me and now they can't see anything mm. really went downhill I'm lucky because it would have been far worse if I've known people to be fully sighted and they wake up the next day and they can't see anything. What? They've had issues with their brain or whatever and they, they go to bed fully sighted, they wake up and they can't see. That is hard. What is it that you miss the most or what did you miss the most initially? Being confident just to walk around without needing a guide dog or a cane or extra help, just being able to get out and walk in the countryside without planning it to death. Because when you're blind, you've got to plan everything. You know, you've got to be a, a planner and a problem solver. So I miss being able to just go for a walk without worrying about everything else. You had a chat with our producer, Steve, before yeah. we did this pod today. I bet that bored the fucking life out of you. So apologies for that, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> and you said to, you said to Steve, you've been following the, uh, the Autumn Nations Cup. Yeah, yeah. Last autumn. And you said to Steve that you thought Joe played well against France. So I think Joe was as surprised to hear that as anyone else. Well, my actual response, Tom, was, are you having a dig at me? Are you saying that I played that badly that a blind man says that you played really well? Like, it was quite confusing. (laughs) I was like, what? Hang on. I can't get my head around whether he says I played well or not. How how have you watched the Autumn Nations Cup? For me, the dream was when the pandemic hit. (laughs) (laughs) because no crowd (laughs) and when amazon prime got the rugby you could turn down the absolutely frigging pointless artificial crowd noise wow which meant i could hear the calls i could hear the set pieces i could hear the referee and of course you've got commentary on top of that it's a delight to watch rugby now because you can hear them play the game and if you play the game a bit and you know a bit about it it's really good to follow because you can hear what's going on. You can hear Joe chuntering in the scrum. You can hear the... Chuntering? <laughs> chuntering? Well, yeah. <laughs> when, when a scrum goes well, it's very vocal. And it's much more of an enjoyable experience. I love it. You've got to be one of the only people that has gone, I actually prefer it with no crowds. I know. I know. <laughs> your, your partner's blind as well, is she? She is, yeah. Um, and was that from birth or the same as yourself? You lost it. Yeah, pretty much since birth. Yeah. When I told her I was going on this podcast, she got really excited. And then she realized that Joe Marler wasn't Joe Rogan. And she thought, oh, I don't know who he is. Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> bitch. What a bitch. So I've had sighted partners before. And to be honest, if you've got a sighted partner who's got a car, it's, yeah, it's luxury. <laughs> That's a ledge. It is. <laughs> it is, yeah. But they don't understand the 101 tiny little frustrations that make up a day. Whereas if you're with somebody blind, they kind of 
get that and make allowances for that. So day to day in the house, it's absolutely fine. It gets a tiny bit more challenging when you think about going away somewhere or getting out, especially if you're trying to learn a new environment like a hotel or new village or new town. That's when you need to really understand the roots and really get your brain moving and, and use your imagination. I mean, walking around the park is fine with a cane, although you do get branches that are at head height. So yeah. I've been speared a few times in the face, which isn't pleasant. <laughs> so, I mean, this time of year, it's hard because you've got no leaves to warn you. You know, in the summer, you get a tickle to warn you. Oh, yeah. But now you don't get any of that, mate. You just get bosh straight in the face. That would really wind me up. Yeah. Oh, no, it's straight spike. <laughs> oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. It's a straight spike. Fuck off. Technology is really good nowadays. So we really rely on it a lot. You've got to be good at tech when you can't see. So we use technology a lot to help us with, with things. I mean, I made a rookie mistake a few years ago now. I was making burgers and I thought, oh, these would be good. And I sort them out, made nice burgers, came out the oven, they're foaming. And I thought, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, so I took a bite of this burger and it tasted of mint. I put toothpaste in, instead of tomato puree because the tubes look the same, you know? The, Col the Colgate looked like the tomato puree. So now <laughs> I only get cancer tomato puree. BJ! <laughs> BJ! BJ! Stop! 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 Stop it! Yeah. Why is your toothpaste next to your oven? We just had a, a delivery. And it was getting late. So literally, I unpacked the shopping and made the burgers. And I took a gamble and it didn't pay off. <laughs> BJ, that's fucking brilliant. That, that is absolutely gold. But with technology, you can, there's really good apps and stuff that help you identify products. So that doesn't happen so often, you know, although you can get custard instead of soup and shit sometimes, Ooh. which isn't great. Custard. Yeah. Oh, we should get some custard. Oh. Anyway, on that note, it's time for the ads. This episode is sponsored by Dan Beers Baker. Yeah, he has got beers in his name. Dan likes salt and vinegar kettle chips, and his favourite colour of the rainbow is blue, also known as blue. Thank you, Dan. This episode is also sponsored by Matt Griffiths. I can't say Griffiths, so I'm changing your name to Matt Gryffindor Griffiths, in the hope that no one realises I can't say Griffiths. Matt is from Holmes Chapel, which is also where Harry Styles is from. And this episode is sponsored by Ollie Soundy. Ollie's favourite teacher was Mr Lean, and the best book he's ever read is The Canterbury Tales by Geoffrey Chaucer. To be more like Ollie, Dan and Matt, go to patreon.com forward slash Joe Show and grow the show. Harry Truman. Doris Day. Red China. Johnny Ray. South Pacific. Walter Winchell. Joe DiMaggio. Joe McCarthy. Richard Nixon. Studebaker. Television. North Korea. South Korea. Marilyn Monroe. Casey, wait, wait, wait. What? We need to explain what we're doing. We're only doing such a fantastic history podcast based on the Billy Joel smash hit, We Didn't Start the Fire. Every episode covers a different person or a different topic expressed by Mr. Joel in his amazing lyric. So it's the Cold War. 
it's rock and roll, it's sport, it's science, it's politics, it's the space race, it's the history of the post-war world. It's the reason, Katie, why the world we live in today is as it is. You can listen and subscribe at all the normal places you get your podcasts. So please join us on this rip-snortin', rock'em, sock'em, pop culture adventure with me, Katie Puckrick. And me, Tom Fordyce. Search for We Didn't Start the Fire now. Beneath the veneer of the everyday lurks the realm of the spy. From Wondery, I'm Raza Jaffrey. This is The Spy Who, the podcast exploring true spy stories you were never meant to hear, with secret operatives playing to very different rules. We'll reveal the invisible work of the world's intelligence services, unearthing daring missions packed with danger, deceit, and double crosses. Follow The Spy Who wherever you listen to podcasts. Lovely. They were the ads. Um, it's obvious that we're going through a pandemic, yeah. but please tell me, how the fuck do you maintain social distancing? The pandemic has, has been tricky. When you go to a, a shop, you can't see the markings on the floor. And if you need assistance, when you can't see, people don't really want to come near you. And if you try to walk around the shop by yourself, you can't social distance. Even when you're walking along the street, you can't social distance because um, a guide dog doesn't understand the notion of social distance, especially a Labrador, because they're always really friendly. So initially, it was difficult because we found it hard to get food. Everyone was using delivery services, even if they've not done it before. We couldn't get delivery slots. Our local shop was really understocked and going to it was, was difficult. So getting food was actually really hard for the first month or so. We can't just trawl the shelves ourselves without getting someone sighted to help us. So that was actually quite a challenge. I mean, when you hear this thing about an hour exercise a day, I, you know, we can't just go out for a jog for an hour. You know, we, we can go out for a walk, of course you can, but even then it is difficult social distance. So what I find interesting about the whole thing is I know of a lot of blind people who, for whatever reason, live quite isolated lives. They don't go out very much. And when this pandemic hit, sighted people realised what it was like to be isolated and to be alone. So blind people in the pandemic probably cope the best because they're used to using technology to keep in touch with people. They're used to doing shopping online. You know, it sounds sad, but a lot of them are used to being by themselves. That is their life. That's a downer, isn't it? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is a downer, actually. But um, but it's not because you're just talking about the reality of the situation and how it's important that you, you voice how how tough it has been for for the blind community. Can I ask you about some some common misconceptions or ideas that sighted people have, BJ, about blind people? Yeah, of course. So the piano tuner who used to come around to my mum and dad's house when I was a kid, we had an old stand-up piano. The piano tuner was a blind piano tuner. Is it true that if you lose your sight, in some ways your other senses compensate or that you use them to compensate? Do you mean a piano that is shaped like a tuna fish or what exactly are you saying here, Tom? Why would it be? No, it be shaped like a tuna fish. Well, you just said he's a. You used to have a piano tuner come round, and I need clarification on what word you're using. <laughs> yeah, he was an amazing piano playing fish. <laughs> <in the> blue potions. 
Okay. BJ, go ahead with the serious <laughs> answer, please. Okay. <laughs> so, um. He's picturing a tuna shaped like a piano or a piano shaped like a tuna. <laughs> yeah. So, there's a study done by a blind footballer, and through brain scans, they found that the processing power the brain gives the eyes gives over to the ears. So although our ears are anatomically the same as anyone's, unless you're a tuner, then, <laughs> you know, our ears are the same. We have our actual physical biology doesn't change. But like everything else, if you use it a lot, that processing power improves and you just get better at using it. So my hearing is a bit better than average, I'd say. But just because I'm used to using it a lot, I'm just better at using it than some sighted people. I know a guy who can walk down the road and tell me if there's a car or a lamppost just by the sound around him, just by the echolocation <sighs> in the air. There's other blind people, and I don't do this because it's a bit weird. They click so, as they're walking, and the echo they get from that click, they can really identify obstacles. That's amazing. That, that, that is, is incredible. Is that, that's, that's like, um, what's that whale? There's a whale. He's got like a real, or oh, there are female versions of this whale as well, but they've got a really bald head. It was on Finding Dory the other day. They've got a bald head. You mean there's whales who go around with like a big head of hair? No, it's, <laughs> that's not what I meant. You're right now that I've said it out loud. I've got it wrong. No, yeah, it's got a really bald front bit of its head. Oh, oh Barry. No, that's your name. Beluga, Beluga, Beluga. Beluga, yeah. Isn't it a beluga way with a sonar system? They all have. They've all got sonar. Oh, fucking hell. All the, cita <laughs> oh, all the cetaceans use echolocation. We've had a marine biologist on this show. I should know that. You should. Right, BJ, you have to talk to me. So you're obviously well-versed uh, with a long white stick, and it's got a ball on the end, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. So being a, a guide dog user or owner for over 20 years... Mm-hmm. Going back to the white cane is an experience because you've got to work a lot harder because you can't rely on your dog. So have you not? Have you got a guide dog now? Yeah, he's retired now. It's selfish. He's 10. He retired last week. Why is he retired, lazy bastard? <laughs> I know. <laughs> so the long cane, for those who don't know, is a long shaft, I guess, <laughs> with the rubber handle. It's a long one. And shaft. <laughs> With a rubber. <laughs> sorry, sorry. sorry, let me get this straight. I'm talking to a gentleman called BJ, who's now <laughs> describing long shafts to me. And you, and you, you lot, want me to be professional and serious, do you? Okay, I will try my very best. Please continue describing your shaft. Okay, it, it's a long <laughs> cylinder of carbon <laughs> fibre or aluminium with a rubber handle and on the end it has a, a like a ball and you basically drag it in front of you in an arc and the idea is you can identify obstacles and scare children and dogs with it and the idea being that you can walk around with confidence because you've got this cylinder um so that you wave around in front of you um, so you can feel where you are. So if you're walking on a pavement, you can feel the grass verge to your right and the brick wall to your left. So you think, oh, I better stay in the middle of those. So what was the name of your guide dog that, that's just retired? Oliver. 
Oliver. Yeah. And what was he like? He is a magnificent big black Labrador. It's a 42-kilogram lump of love. Oh, useful. Surely there are some guide dogs out there that are really shit. Yeah, there are. My first guide dog was really good, but there was the incident of the famous Woolworths shit. Sorry? Woolworths shit? What's a famous Woolworths shit? So we were walking through Woolworths, and she stopped. And she did a dump a shy horse to be proud of. (laughs) Right? And what was funny about this was they cordoned off the whole aisle as if it was a nuclear fallout situation. <laughs> People rushed out. So we ran away. We just, I couldn't, I didn't have a bag big enough for it. So I just ran away. But she was, she, she hated me at first. She really hated me at first, but we got on very well in the end. That's not ideal, is it? You just, all right, I'm going, just pop around the shops and you're like, oh, yeah, let's just stop and... Oh, no, what's happening? What was her name? Lacey. 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 Oh, okay, what's up, Lacey? What's happened? What Do I need to stop? Okay, oh, no, someone's approaching me. Fuck, what's going on? Tell, you think the worst. And the next thing you're like, you just get this massive waft of shit. And you're like, <laughs> Lacey, I think we should leave really, really quickly now. I'm actually going to lead you now, not the other way around. Let's fucking get out of Woolworths immediately. My, my last dog chased squirrels. Oh, no. Chased squirrels? It's not in the job description. It's not. So whenever he saw a squirrel, he would really try to get to it. But when I denied him this, he would sulk. And he would walk me around in circles and get us completely lost on purpose. What a fucker. What was this one called? He was Victor. Victor sounds like a twat to me. <laughs> but I can just picture in his head going, oh, fuck him. Just because he won't let me chase a squirrel, right, sod it. I'm going to take him around the block and think that we're here again. That's what he did. Exactly what he did. On a slightly serious note. Yeah. What about like going out to eat, going out to restaurants and that lot with a guide dog? Are, there, are guide dogs allowed in every building? Guide dogs are allowed to go to every restaurant, despite having situations where restaurateurs have tried to turn us away and say, you can't come in. I've had plenty of discussions about that. But the main issue with guide dogs is taxi refusals. No. Lots of blind people will tell you that if they've got a guide dog, they are allowed in every taxi. But there are plenty of times when taxi drivers have tried to refuse us in some occasions they've just driven away and left us motherfuckers i don't mean to, i don't mean to generalize all taxi drivers i mean specifically if there's any taxi drivers listening please do not get offended but i mean specifically the arseholes that have decided to refuse blind people with guide dogs you can piss off yeah it happens a lot right this will sound ludicrous but as a kid the first depiction i saw of blindness was the video that accompanied Lionel Richie's number one smash hit, Hello. Oh, yes. Nice, (laughs) nice. Now, I've watched that again this morning. There seem to be a number of red flags in retrospect with that video. There's a bit in there where Lionel is, he seems to be some sort of drama teacher um, with a crush on one of his students, which is an issue already. He then sort of seems to exploit her lack of sight by mooching after her down the corridor with his hands in in his pockets singing lines that he phones her when she's in bed and she picks the phone up and he doesn't say anything for a bit and then he suddenly goes hello <laughs> and, which, which is a bit fucking creepy <laughs> and then at the end she has famously depicted him in clay and done to be honest quite a shit job talk me through your your feelings on lionel richie's hello 
So you can deconstruct a lot of this stuff. The primary thing here is touching the face. I think I remember watching this when I could see a bit, and I think she does touch his face and feel his face. Yeah. And that is something that's really got into the zeitgeist, this notion of blind people. I want to touch your face so I can see what you look like. I mean, fuck. I don't know anybody who's ever done that. <laughs> you know, it's just not a thing. And what immediately sprung to mind was the Book of Eli. Have you seen that, Tom? No, I haven't. What's the Book of Eli? The Book of Eli is Denzel Washington, and he goes through this, like, dystopian world. The world's ended. What's a dystopian world? Why have I just used the word dystopian? Dystopian world is a weird futuristic world where everything's gone a bit weird. Well, then I've nailed it, yeah. It was a dystopian world where there's not really many people left on Earth, and he's carrying this book the whole way through the film, and... uh He's like a mega fucking assassin and he is killing all these outlaws left, right and centre and he just needs to get to this special place. I'm not really doing the storyline much justice here, but he needs to get to this special place with this book and he's protecting this book with his life and he's killing every motherfucker he runs into. And then it turns out it gets to this place that he wanted to and this book none, no one could read because there was no words in it. And then it you got a bit closer and it was the Bible in Braille um, that he'd been protecting with his life, that had been like completely wiped off the end of the earth in this new dystopian world. And the last scene is a zoom in onto his eyes and they're slightly glazed over. And you find out that he's gone the whole way through this film. He's gone the whole way through his life as a blind man and that he's fucked everyone up left, right and centre and succeeded in delivering the bible which don't even get me started on the bible that's a whole different thing but it was just the concept who's eli he, he uh, oh yeah good point was his name eli fuck but the primary thing you see is blind people depicted as wearing dark glasses you see that a lot and the jobs they have are often kind of piano tunery or they're very geeky so the sad thing is blind people depicted in the media isn't great I, I created a theatre company called Fifty Fifty Theatre where we employ half the cast of VI and half are sighted just to give people a chance because they need jobs. We need jobs. There's a statistic put out a while ago that you're much more likely to get a job with a criminal record than if you're blind. And the percentage of blind people who are unemployed is huge. You're much more likely to get a job if you've got a criminal record. Yeah. Then you are if you're blind. Fuck. What? Discrimination is is massive. I've I've suffered it myself. Before I started to write full time, I was an English teacher, and one of the jobs I went for, you know, I had an interview, and they said, so they call me Mr. Edwards, not BJ. You'd be happy to know. And they said, Look, <laughs> that's what that's we... what I called you to your face. <laughs> Wait for the playground. How boring was Bum Juice's lesson? There? <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to offer you the job. I said, okay, why not? Because we don't think you'll manage the stairs. Oh, fuck me. I'm like, have you seen my CV? Rugby, judo, you know, I'm very active. So, yeah, there's a lot of discrimination out there in the workplace. A lot of disabled people, and I talk about blind people specifically, don't have jobs. And that really needs to change because there's a lot of, a lot of blind people I know who are very able, very talented, very intelligent, and they can't get work. So they're trapped in the benefit trap. And that is really unfair. 
So things need to change. Employers need to be aware of what they, what blind people can do and not be shackled by their own misconceptions and fear. What are the things that people have said to you or said to blind people that they instantly regret? And the one thing I, there was a clip on, I think it was American Idol. And I think it was Ryan Seacrest. He was the thingy, uh, the presenter. Yeah, there we go. Thank you. So it was Ryan Seacrest. He was the presenter. And uh, there's been a blind musician go on and sing. I think he played piano. And he's gone on and he's got four yeses and he's come out. And there's this famous clip of Ryan Seacrest going to high five him and then going, oh, fuck. And he, you can see it in his face. He immediately <laughs> for, he'd forgotten. He was like, oh, shit. Now I've got to quickly, subtly put my hand down and realise that I've missed a high five. Have any of those sort of moments happened to you or, or blind people that you know? I think it seems to be that a lot of sighted people think it's okay to grab you when you can't see, especially if you're a woman. I know blind women who who get pulled around and touched and grabbed a lot and people think they're helping them. And when they they get told, mate, you know, don't do that, then they realise, shit, I shouldn't have done that. But it's really interesting because I'm quite a big bloke. I'm not as big as you, Joe. I'm I'm 17 stone (laughs) and shorter than you. And most of it's muscle, right? So if I wasn't blind, there's no way a bloke would just kind of grab me around the waist and manoeuvre me to different places or put an arm around my shoulders and say, you know, help you across the road. So it's really interesting that when you're blind, you're disarmed. When you're a blind woman, you're somehow defeminized. And when you're a blind bloke, you're somehow demasculinized. It becomes okay for them to just touch you. I mean, it happens, it happens to me fairly regularly. When you get someone who says, do you want a hand? I say, yeah, please, I'll, I'll grab an arm. And they, they're going to hold your hand. You get grown man trying to hold your hand. And when you say, mate, I, I don't want you to hold my hand, I'll grab your arm. They're like, oh, shit, sorry. But this wouldn't happen if yeah. I was sighted. Yeah. There's no way a bloke would just say to me, just grab my hand and hold my hand. This wouldn't happen. And it's the same with women. You wouldn't just grab a, a sighted woman and, and wrap around the waist or whatever or grab their hand. But it's okay if they're blind. There's a lot of weird thing when it comes to personal space that, that sighted people don't understand. And it's fascinating. PJ, did you, before you lost your sight, had you seen Joe Marler? Mm, no. So when you think of Joe, what do you think of him looking like? This smells, this smells funny to me. This smells like <laughs> some sort of setup, like you guys spoke beforehand and had this planned. But I'll let it continue. It's fine. So Joe's a prop, so he's got to be a big lad. So I'm thinking he's got a lot of personality, a lot of spirit, a lot of verve. I love his press conferences. And so he's going to have something different about him. He's got to have something about him that stands out. So that's, for me, that's either a wacky hair or wacky facial hair, something a bit different because Joe's a very extrovert person. So I'm thinking big bloke with something interesting about their hair or their facial hair. So spiky hair, probably a beard. He might have a beard. He might double down and do beard and hair. Is he good looking? Like if he out, marks out a 10, what do you think he is? Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's it. He said, Wow. He didn't even he didn't even need a mark out of ten. He just said wow and wow is definitely enough. I, I read his book and I loved his book and um I think maybe when he was younger he, he saw himself as average, so probably a seven. 
Ah, oh, you're too kind, sir. You are too kind. I've actually got um, long, flowing, blonde locks down to my shoulder. Um, <laughs> I've been clean-shaven my entire life. I have a tattoo over my eyebrows so that I actually had a permanent monobrow tattooed. <laughs> as So, like, one of the twits. And I have a six-pack, in fact, an eight-pack, and uh, the biggest biceps the world has ever seen apart from the guy who chemically enhanced his by injecting fat. I think it was fat or oil or something. I think it was cooking oil he injected into his arms. But uh, no, you're bang on, BJ. I appreciate my beard, but that's because it's an excellent way to hide my double chins. Um, (laughs) You know, weighing about 125 kilograms. Um, You know, there's a little bit of excess stuff that needs uh, covering with hair. (laughs) I think we should wrap it up there. BJ, you've been absolutely brilliant. Um, I go back to the start of the episode where we took the piss out of your name and that's fine. And I loved how you're just like, yeah, ingest. I don't care. I'm going to embrace it. And then you shared your story and the struggles that you've had with your mental health. And we've had several people come on here and, and share their stories. And I'm always really grateful to them for doing that and having, having the courage to do so, but also the humor in which you've brought to, a somewhat tricky subject um but thank you so much for coming on and and giving us an insight that's a really bad turn of phrase as well an insight that's bad uh, it's that's... fine like watch, <laughs> we watch television we don't listen to the telly we see we watch yeah it's fun i love it um but for giving us an insight into into the difficulties and and also the opportunities that being blind present you thank you so much mate pleasure cheers guys Joe, I, I don't mean this in a way which in any way blows smoke up our respective arses, not least because that would be a very weird experience. Who, who would actually want smoke blown up their arses? I don't know. Some might be a peccadillo for some people. <laughs> Why is it considered a good thing to have smoke? I don't, I don't understand that. I don't understand it. It's... Do you know anyone who's literally had smoke blown up their arse? No, I know someone that um, rolled up a massive fish paper... Um, <laughs> That you you know like the ch- fish and chips paper you get yeah they rolled it up to make some sort of comedy cigarette slash joint and they put it in their mouths and they lit their friends lit the end of it and they inhaled it so they inhaled the smoke and it burnt their lungs like they were like ah oh, it feels like it's burning they just inhaled this smoke the direct flame and they're burning and then they ran to the local uh, supermarket and they got five litres of water and they spent the next hour and a half down in this five litres of water. Back to the episode, though, Joe. Did you enjoy it? I loved it. Well, if you listened to that and you enjoyed it too and you want to grow the show, here's one way of doing it. Search for Joe Marler Show on Patreon. Sign yourself up over there for loads of different levels of extra content. If you want another podcast to listen to, well, Sir Paul Smith is a guest on the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club this week. That's worth a listen. Just search for Geraint Thomas Cycling Club in your podcast app. I would like to know who's on our show next week, please, Tom. Joe, on our show next week is a weatherman. A weatherman? A man of weather. A man that's weathered. Whether the man is a weatherman or not, we'll find out when the weatherman comes on. Does he look as weathered as you do? Not even close. Crowd Network. A place where you belong.